On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen clothes. So he went away amazed at what had happened. Amen, amen. You can have a seat. Happy Easter, everyone. It's great to see you all. Good worshiping with you. So we have this saying, and people say it a lot. We go, now that, that's living, right? For some of us, we're like, you know, if I could just get out on the boat and go fishing, maybe do some tubing. If you're in Minnesota, you say it like that. If I could just get out on the boat all day, that is living. Or others of us are like, man, if I could, oh, if I could just get to the game. Okay, do some tailgating, do some cheering, do some heckling, that, that's living. Others of us are like, no, 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 no. If I could just stay at home and watch Netflix all day and maybe take a nap and definitely not cook, that is living. Or others of us are like, you know, if I could just get to the mall and do some shopping with my friends and definitely not have the kids along, that is living. And we all have different definitions of what it looks like to really live, but down deep, we have a desire to really live, not just exist, right? The question we're going to look at this morning in Luke chapter 24, which we just had a chunk read to us, is how can we really live? How can we really live, not just exist? And we're going to find this morning three surprising and liberating answers from Jesus' life after he rose from the dead. And so the first one is this, is that Jesus really lived by defeating death. I mean, quite literally, we were just singing about this. He, he defeated death by rising from the dead. And you'll notice as we have this scripture read over us today in Luke 24, there's details, almost strange details where you're like, why is it so detailed? And here's why it's so detailed. It's to prove that wasn't a cover-up. Jesus really did rise from the dead. See, Thousands of people would have known these details and could have said, nope, you're wrong. They could have cried foul and said, nope, that didn't happen that way. But they didn't. You see, Jesus really did rise from the dead. He backed up his perfect life and his substitutionary death with a resurrection. And he defeated death. And he defeated death both physically and spiritually. So his physical death makes a way for us to live forever, but his spiritual death takes the punishment for our sin. 
See, he stood in our place. You can really live by defeating death. Here's how you can live, by defeating death. Romans 10, 9, it's an Easter verse. It says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you done that? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you are a sinner or in desperate need of the grace of God to take care of your sin problem? confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you aren't Lord, and that, do you, have you believed that Jesus rose from the dead? If you do that, guess what? You will be saved. But that's only the beginning of truly living. See, that is the first step to truly living. If you want to defeat death, you rely on Jesus to defeat death for you. But then, really living means taking off the grave clothes, so to speak. So you'll notice we just had read to us Luke 24, verse 12. Peter gets to the tomb and he saw only the linen cloth sitting there. See, Jesus didn't walk around like a mummy after he rose from the dead in his grave clothes. No, he walked around in real living clothes, regular clothes that you would have seen him in normally. Now, you've probably noticed by now the huge ink stain on my shirt, right? Here's the thing. This is my favorite shirt, and it's Easter, so I don't care. I'm wearing it. No, I did it on purpose, you guys. And I actually realized this morning, this wasn't on purpose. The bottom button isn't in it either. So, so much for this shirt. But, uh, no, it, it would be ridiculous if I decided that this morning on Easter, when I know I'm getting up to preach in front of a bunch of people, to wear a shirt, even if it's my favorite, with a huge stain on it. But see here, this is what we do as well. This is what we do when we come to Christ and then we realize, oh, I've got this sin in my life, and then we don't deal with it. We go, yeah, I got that sin in my life. I don't really care. It's all good. It's not all good. That's not who you are anymore. Your identity is not found in your sin. Your identity is now found in your Savior. So why would you put up with that? See, Jesus calls us to, to, to take off the grave clothes, to stop living in sin and start living in the reality that sin is not our master. So we are not perfect anymore. Okay, we are not perfect. When we, when we take off our grave clothes, so to speak, and throw them in the trash, it doesn't mean we don't sin anymore. It just means when we do, we deal with it. It means when we do, we confess it to others. It means that we deal with it. We try to get to the heart of why we're sinning. We try to get to the root and deal with it. Because real living is actually found in dying. In dying to ourselves. In dying to our sin. Because sin will tear you up inside and tear relationships up in your life. And I'm sure we've all experienced that. But Jesus calls us to live in our new identity See, when we believe in him, we're not marked by sin anymore. We're marked by the pure, spotless robe of the Lamb of God who died in our place. So the invitation to really live is a call to die, actually. Now, I'm not calling you to something that I don't live in and experience myself. Just to name a few sins that I've 
started taking seriously within the last season of my life. The sin of gluttony, which means making food your God, still a battle, still, still a thing I'm working on. Living a hurried, impatient pace of life, trying to go after that, and I've been going after various insecurities as well. And it, it turns out that a lot of insecurities are actually a form of pride because it's just making, me, making it about me. I'm still battling these things, but I'm battling. You see, I've heard it said, and I've heard it said by some people in our church even, and I like the analogy because it feels this way, but you know the game Whack-A-Mole, the arcade game? You get the hammer out, the mallet, and you're trying to get them down. You can never get them, okay? It's rigged, right? Whack-A-Mole, you just, you never quite get the moles. It pops out here and then there, and you, you can't win the game. I'm convinced. But... Sometimes it feels like that with sin in our lives as believers. Like you hit one and there's another one that pops up and there's another one that pops up. So what, what keeps us from going crazy in this process of putting sin to death is the grace of God. You see, perfection is not our goal. The goal is to maintain a humble, repentant heart before God. To pursue Christ to grow, to deal with sin and not ignore it, and then to enjoy God's grace for the process that, yes, I screwed up again today, but tomorrow there's mercy. His mercy is new every day. So we get back up and go after that again with his help. Now, I know that no one likes dealing with sin. I don't like dealing with sin. It's not something we want to talk about on Easter. It's not something we want to talk about ever. But paradoxically, the way to life is through death. I think so many Christians today are stuck and trapped and feel alone and isolated in their sin because they're trying to really live with their grave clothes still on. I can just, I can just live however I want. It's not a big deal. When it is a big deal, it was such a big deal that Jesus went to the cross for our sin. I think so many Christians are stuck today as well because they want to enjoy Jesus without ever living like Jesus. And it just doesn't work. And I think so many Christians feel trapped because they want the benefits that Jesus offers without ever giving up a thing. So what sin are you ignoring or not dealing with in your life right now? Think of the real living that you're missing out on by not dealing with that. See, real living comes through dying. How can we really live? By defeating death.
Now, the same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, What is this dispute you're having with each other as you were walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things, he asked them. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us? while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together, who said, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Amen. You can have a seat. See, next we see in Luke 24 that Jesus really lived by walking alongside other people, by walking with others. Jesus literally walked alongside these guys as they're going to Emmaus. He, he listened to them. He asked good questions. Jesus was a great listener. He taught them. I mean, how cool would that have been? To hear him describe the Old Testament and how it pointed to Jesus. Wish I sat in on that session. He ate with them. And then he encouraged them. You see, Jesus walked alongside other people. And we can really live by walking alongside other people. Literally, we can, we can spend time with other people. 
Like Jesus, we can, we can listen and ask good questions. We can teach other people as opportunities arise, give people godly wisdom and give them godly advice. We can eat with others. You know, there's, there's something almost spiritual that happens sometimes when we have meals with other people and it has nothing to do with the food because we're living life and being honest with one another. We can encourage other people. Encourage means to give courage to someone else, to put a spring in their step. We have opportunities to do that all the time. Recently, I asked a gal in our church if she would meet up with another gal who is struggling. And not only did this gal meet up with her right away, but she brought others with her. And they started to meet regularly to help this gal and, and to help one another and started to doing a Bible study and, and praying and just being there for one another. And this was all on top of this gal's normal connection group and Bible study. So why did she do that? Created a lot more work in her life. It created a lot more, you know, energy, time, investment. Why did she do that? She did it because this gal was convinced that real living is found in walking alongside other people. And here's, here's something I need to clarify for us all. Most people think they have to get it all together, or at least mostly together, before they can start walking alongside someone else. And that's just a lie. See, part of the healing journey and process comes through walking with other people while we're still dealing with our stuff. Jesus uses that. You know, it's, it's mutual. You're never walking alongside someone else and they don't also affect and help you. That's, that's how it's meant to be. See, you don't, you don't need to have it all together to walk alongside other people. So I'm just wondering, as, as I'm talking even here this morning, who is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit bringing to mind that they would want you to walk alongside? How can we really live? See, we can really live by walking with others. Stand and sing this I choose to worship. I choose to bow. Whose pain in the offering I lay it down. Here in the conflict, when doubt surrounds, though my soul is unraveling, I choose you now. I will praise you through the fire, through the storm, and through the flood. There is nothing that can ever steal my soul. In the valley, you are worthy, you are good when life is not, you will always and forever be my soul. I build my altar right here and now, in the midst of the darkest night it won't burn out, for you are perfect. 
As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? He asked them. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. You can have a seat. See, Jesus really lived by being joyful. He brought hope and joy to everyone that he encountered. See, in this passage we just heard, he greeted the disciples with peace to you. His desire, his goal from the outset was to bring them peace, to bring them joy. He then proved his physical resurrection to reassure them in order to bring them joy. He let them touch his wounds and his hands and his feet. And then he even ate broiled fish with them. He was proving that he really is alive to reassure their hearts and give them joy. He then gave them joy through giving them understanding. It says he opened their minds to understand the scripture. See, understanding things rightly and clearly does really bring joy, does it not? And then he gave them joy through giving them purpose. He says, you're going to be my witnesses to, this, to the whole world of my resurrection. You now have purpose in life. You now have a real reason to get up in the morning. And it's to share Jesus with people. It's to share that I'm alive. And doesn't that bring joy when we have an eternal purpose to get us out of bed in the morning? Then he blessed them. He blessed them before he left. We aren't told what Jesus said, but it must have been one heck of a blessing, right? Can you imagine Jesus in the flesh blessing you? He also said to them, I'm sending you what my Father promised. He's saying, hey, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, God himself, to help you, to strengthen you. The Holy Spirit in the scriptures literally called the comforter, the helper. He gave them joy through sending them help. And then the disciples, it says in verse 52, returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Not a little bit of joy. A ton of joy, a truckload of joy, a ton of joy. See, the disciples returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Explicitly, we see here that Jesus' overall effect on people and on his disciples 
was joy, immense joy. And this joy for Jesus came from within. It wasn't something he just was doing outwardly. It came from inside. You and I can really live too by being joyful. And being joyful starts within. Joy is this. It's satisfaction and delight in God, independent of your circumstances. Satisfaction and delight in God, totally independent of what's going on in your life. You see, as we were singing this song, I had flashbacks to two years ago on Easter in my house while it was sleeting outside, not being able to be with the people of God. And it was weird and bittersweet. But I chose to sing and we chose to say, I'm going to worship God no matter what. See, that is how you find joy. No matter what's going on around you. Even if it snows a foot today, like my phone says it might. Maybe not a foot. But even if it snows in April, we can still find joy. Because it's not dependent on our circumstances. Starts with this, delighting and being satisfied by God. Those are the prerequisites. Are you enjoying God? See, God is the author of joy, of true joy. And it's always accessible to us and always offered to us. So let's do a little inventory this morning. Do you bring peace to other people with your very presence? Or do you bring chaos and gloom? Now, I'm not talking about being fake when you're down. We're called to be real. But I'm talking about generally, do you bring a calming effect? Do you help bring understanding and clarity to people in the situations? Or instead, do you bring confusion and drama? Do you fan people's purpose and strengths and gifts into flame or, or do you more just pour cold water on them? Do you bring joy by helping other people or do you bring them down by making the focus more on you? When you leave a group of people or a person, do you, they leave feel, feeling refreshed or drained? Again, though, all of that's outward. Are you joyful within? Joy is satisfaction and delight in God, independent of your circumstances. Someone gave this illustration to me recently, and they described the world as a partly cloudy day. And so I had an opportunity um, to take this picture out in the parking lot of our church this week. I've been waiting for a day like this for a while and God gave it to me. But this is what life is like. We get glimpses of eternity. See, there were rays of sunshine coming through here that morning. But just a few. It was mostly clouds. And that is the world, the broken world we live in. We get tastes of eternity. We get tastes of Jesus. But there's a lot of gloom. There's a lot of clouds. Really living 
And being joyful is remembering, looking for, and focusing on the rays of sunshine, the taste of heaven and the taste of eternity of Jesus in this world and in our lives. But if you want to just exist and be rather joyless, point out and focus on the clouds all the time. They're there. I invite you, I encourage you to really live by being known. Be a person who is known for pointing out and focusing on the taste of eternity. Don't be someone who's known and pointing, for pointing out and focusing on the tastes of hell. How can we really live? We can really live by being joyful. See, Jesus died and he rose from the dead so we can really live. And with his help and with his strength, you can really live. Will you? Jesus really lives. Are you really living? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the joy that is found in you apart from anything that happens in this world. I pray, Father, that we would know and experience your joy, Jesus. And we would do that as we find our delight and satisfaction, not in the things of this world, but in you, God, in you, Jesus. I pray that you would make us people who are more focused on the taste of eternity and less focused on the clouds. Forgive us for doing that and being that. Make us people who aren't just joyful outwardly, but are joyful from the inside out, God. In your name I pray, amen.